everybody. Uh, welcome to Vision Weekend. This is our annual uh, vision time of sharing, and uh, I'm really excited to have you here. Have you ever noticed that two people uh, can have the same exact experience, but two totally different perspectives? Like, like maybe it, you're at work and your coworker loves their job, but you're thinking, I just can't wait to be done with this place. Or um, a family with a few kids and they're growing up uh, and the, you know, same rules, same love, same parents. One child grows up and says, my parents were awesome. The other child says, I really need therapy. You, you hurt me. Uh, you know, even at church, two people are, are experiencing the same gathering, the same songs. One's bored out of their mind. Uh, the other person sitting over there having an emotional encounter with God, weeping, you know, blowing snot all over the sleeve of your arm. It's just gross. You know, just having a completely different experience than you are in that moment. And you're wondering, am I spiritual or, or what's going on here? It's just two totally different perspectives. And that same totally different perspective applies to a lot of different areas in our life. My wife, Tracy, absolutely loves veggies. She, she loves them. Our entire marriage, she has loved vegetables. I have not. I am a meatitarian. I don't like onions or most things green. Uh, she, on the other hand, eats them every day. She eats them raw. She juices them for hours. She even thinks up all kinds of new ways to cook vegetables. I'm just like, hey, give me some meat and potatoes. I'm, it's just real simple. God's vision puts everyone on the same page. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8, it says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? The Bible has a lot to say to us about vision. And so I want to share with you three more verses as we get started this morning on the subject of vision each helping us form a theology around the subject of vision. In Proverbs, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. A five-year-old was drawing a picture, and she was asked by the teacher, what are you drawing? And she says, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, but no one knows what God looks like. And the little girl said, they will when I'm done drawing. <laughs> vision makes the invisible visible. Vision brings clarity. Without clarity, things get bogged down. We lose our passion. We lose our sense of purpose. We have no reason to say no to things that are not good for us because we have no vision for what is. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. If you're a 49er fan, that's, that's all we can do. Do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new things that I'm going to do. It's happening already. You can see it. God is always innovating. He is creating. He's calling into existence those things that we cannot yet see. That's faith. And according to the wisdom of the Bible, when people have no vision, no faith, their lives fall apart. But when people have vision, well, then they actually flourish. Instead of perish, they flourish. Vision is the fuel of great lives. It gives purpose to our pain. And it tells us what is worthy of our sacrifice in this one and only life. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. God says, seek first 
the kingdom of God. And then he makes this really outrageous promise. He says, if you, if your family, if your children, if in every way you will seek first the kingdom of God, he says, I promise, I guarantee I will meet every one of your needs if you focus your life around and in the kingdom of God. What if we accepted that challenge in our lives today, how different our lives would be to put the priorities of God first in our lives in every way? What if we waited for him to deliver on his promises to us? What is the kingdom of God? There's a lot of different ways you can say it, but one way is this, the kingdom of God, it's God's people doing God's purposes on God's planet. And that's why we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray in this manner. He said this, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Think about it. Your kingdom come in our workplace as it is in heaven. God, we pray your kingdom come in our neighborhoods as it is in heaven. God, we pray your kingdom come in our families as it is in heaven. How do we do that? Well, it'll require a lot of people with a devoted heart to see God's kingdom expanded on earth right here where we live and beyond. For over a year, myself and our elders and our staff and many of you have been praying that God would reveal to us the vision that he has for our community. Asking, what do you want us to do next? What's next for us, God? You've blessed us. I mean, you've given us a a building to gather in, homes to do life in, spiritual leaders to help us follow you. But what's next? With this in mind, we've laid everything before God in prayer, saying, God, we're not holding tightly to any of our plans or any of our preferences or selfish desires. This is not about us. We want to expand your kingdom. We want to hear what your voice is saying to the land and to our nation. We want to surrender everything. We want to surrender the leadership of our church to you and not our preferences. We want Jesus to lead our church. And something came out of that this last year. And God began to speak to me and to our team and to our elders. And we realized that we were entering into a new season as a church family that God wanted to do something new as we came to this three-year mark of a new church, that God wanted us to give us a meaningful name to identify with this new season. You see, all throughout the Bible, God would give people, places, and events meaningful names to convey and remind people of their calling, what he was doing, and he reminded them who he was in their life. Simon's name for example, was changed to Peter, symbolizing this new significant role that he would play in the start of his church. I'm not even sure how Peter's mom felt about that or Simon's mom when Jesus just ups and decides to change her son's name, but it was meaningful. He said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Abram means exalted father, but God says Abraham, which means father of many. Sarai, God said, I'm going to change your name to Sarah. Sarai means my princess, but Sarah means the princess of many nations. God also named specific places for his purpose. Bethesda, I love that name. You may not know it, but it was a place where Jesus healed a man that had been crippled for 38 years. 
And it's just like Jesus. It's just like the Heavenly Father when he named that place Bethesda because the name Bethesda means house of grace. Can you imagine what that man felt like after 38 years, the grace that he felt in that healing? You see, names, places, and certain events have a prophetic meaning. It's like the Passover, the word Passover, which is symbolic of the cross and the salvation through the blood of Jesus, the sacrificial lamb of God. These names were rich with meaning because they came from God. Some served as a reminder of God's mighty acts, but others represented a prophetic vision for who people would become and what God had called them to do. And so this morning, our community will no longer be identified by just a geographical location, a bay city. We will identify with a meaningful name to be inspired by, as well as to inspire others and to aspire to and humbly live out the grace of God. It's time for an identity that declares prophetically who we are, that speaks to what the church needs to be in our land and in our nation today at this point in history. And so today, our church is now, from this day forward, meaningfully named Brave. Brave because we follow Jesus. And I believe it's God's word for us as a community, for our culture, for our nation and our world, it's brave to follow Jesus today. It's brave to stay faithful in your marriage. It's brave to go public with your faith. It's brave to love someone for a lifetime and to not give up. It's brave to show up. It's brave to share your story. It's brave to wear a Bronco jersey at a Raider game. It's brave to start a new business. It's brave to be full of truth and full of grace at the same time. It's, it's brave to love God even when you're suffering. It's brave to speak the truth in love. It's brave to fight through depression. It's brave to challenge a friend. It's brave to say what you mean and mean what you say in our land. God is doing a new thing, and it's time to be brave. In the last decade, our country has changed. The culture has dramatically shifted. It's time to stand up amidst the noise that's around us. The Bible says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but everywhere I go, I hear fear. God told his people that when they were leaving the wilderness of fear to possess all that he had for them, he said, be strong and be courageous. The first command in all of Scripture is this, do not be afraid. The first command that God gave his people when entering the land that he had for them to possess was to be brave. When we planted this church three years ago, we had no idea what God was saying or who we were to be. And we chose the best name that we could think of, something generic at the time. And we wanted something more, but God hadn't spoken yet. I learned a long time ago, until God speaks, you know, don't make something up. But we needed a name. 
But over a year ago, we've been praying, and we've been praying about Brave. And honestly, even in changing a name, it's been a test of bravery. With so many people that have so many opinions, it's not easy. But this change is different. It's not an act of improvement. It's an act of obedience. And for those that have been here a while, they'll tell you that as a leader, I try never to play the spiritual card because it can seem like an excuse that leaders use to validate whatever decision they want to make. But this is not the case. I know that we've heard from God. This isn't a rename. We've been gifted a meaningful name that we believe is from God. The old name represented a previous season, but like the prophet Isaiah who said, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new things that I'm going to do. It's already happening. You can see it. God is saying to us that he's doing a new thing. This region needs a fresh expression of church in a sea of mediocrity of religious sameness. God has set us apart for a different purpose. That doesn't mean that we're any better than any other church. It means that we have a responsibility to live our story courageously. Now, I want to give you a more specific update on what I see God is doing. And then I want to talk about some practical things that we can participate in in accomplishing the vision together. But before we jump right into our vision and our initial three causes, let's take a look at what we accomplished this time last year in our Love Does campaign. Some of you may remember this uh, slide from a year ago. We set out to raise $47,760 for kids, for community, for creative, for homeless, for youth, for Beyond the Locker, and our future building easement. That was our goal within a three-month period to do that. And I'm really excited, and you can be excited to know that here's the results of that campaign. We raised nearly $52,000 in that three- to four-month period. So give yourself a hand. This year, we have three new causes that our pastors and our elders have prayed for that we see are directly connected to the growth that God has for us and is preparing us for. And if you will, in your program, go ahead and pull this out. It says Vision Weekend, and I just want to walk us through this together. Everyone, go ahead and pull that out or borrow one next to the person next to you. We, uh, the first thing that we have as our goal is to raise $250,000 within 12 months or less. And the first thing that we want to do is we want to hire a worship director. Uh, great worship leaders help us connect with God. And in the three years since we started Bay City Church, we've not been able to hire a worship leader. And it's time that we do. Someone to lead us on the stage and off the stage that has a vision for songwriting. Uh, Band of it, we're going to produce a worship album hopefully next year and is passionate about worship. And so uh, if you're willing, here's what I believe we're to do, and that is to hire uh, Jacob, Hill, and Becky. And I want to invite them to come on out, you guys. Do you have the, grab the microphone there. You're going you're gonna to need it. But I, uh, we believe as a worship team, we've been praying about this now for, well, three months. Uh, this is Jacob Veal. This is his wife, Becky. Hey and uh, why don't you guys just kind of greet him and say a few things. Yeah, I just want to share a couple things on my heart. I'll keep it short. Um, my name is Jacob. This is my wife, Becky. Um, we're so honored to uh, come and be part of the team. And 
I really, one of my biggest things about worship is that worship's a communal thing. Um, it's, it's, if you look at in the history, every like big move of God, worship is very connected there. You look at churches and they're writing songs and all this stuff. And I just, in faith and, and prophetically just declare that this is going to be a house where that is true. Um, and, but most of all, I mean, you chart to erase the line from the stage and the people. And so I really, we're going to try really hard. Um, but also I encourage you to just come meet us. We want to know, we, I just want to be a friend. Like, I want to lead us in the songs and, um, and all that and lead us where we're going to worship. But I just want to be a friend to your family, know your kids. And, and my wife has a huge heart for kids and that, that kind of thing. So that's the first thing. Second thing, um, something you could be praying about just for the worship community. He kind of mentioned it. Just we want to write music and, and do all that kind of stuff. But also just pray that the Lord would, like, bring musicians. And, and there may, might even be musicians out there. And I want to get to know you and raise you up and that kind of thing. And then three, just... Um, it kind of ties in with the first thing, but our heart is to just raise a worship community and just see it come blossom. So those are some things that you could be praying for, but you'll be seeing us every week, and we want to more and more I'll be, begin to share what we kind of feel called to. But that's a quick little snippet, but thank you so much. It's awesome. Amen. Yeah. All right. Becky, do you want to say No? Okay. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you. Love you guys. All right. So the first thing we want to do is we want to hire them. Secondly is uh, a new roof. Uh, a roof will not grow a church, but it will keep us dry this winter. So uh, after decades of deferred maintenance on these three buildings, the shingles are literally disintegrating. Like if Santa were to come tonight, he would probably slip and fall. So when you're dealing with a drought, all those things go unnoticed. But when heavy rains come and they're predicted to come, it's a serious issue. We actually had leaks in the auditorium here uh, last winter and throughout our facility and so we want to replace all of these roofs. And so this summer we began researching all of that. And I, I just like to have, I almost had a heart attack when I got the price because it's not only replacing the roofs, but there's eaves and wood that have rotted underneath all of the roofs. There's three, it's over 30,000 square foot of, of space that we have here. And those three roofs, the cost is $136,000. At first, I thought that was a lot of money, and then someone shared with me that they had a roof replaced, and it was 118000 and then I felt bad for them and good for us. But um, here's the thing. Uh, we have three roofs that we need to do, and, and this summer, I was like, I, you know, I, I'm just a human being like you, and I'm thinking, I'm going to ask people for $136,000 for three roofs that we need to have done immediately. Imagine how you would feel about that. You know, it's not all that exciting. And I was standing in the back of the room, and one of the ladies in our church, she said, you know, El Nino's coming. I go, I know. I just got this bid for this roof and everything, and, and, and I go, it's $136,000. She goes, Pastor, we need to do this. I'm going to give $10,000 online this week. I was like, oh, wow. That really encouraged my heart. We almost called this campaign Roof, Roof, Roof. <laughs> All right. So there's going to be hundreds of people, thousands of people that need to be dry. And so we get to do that and provide that for them. The third thing that we want to do is an exterior makeover and bring this entire facility up to date so that it looks as good as the uh, housing next door to us and other business parks around the area. And so we want to give a makeover. We want to add siding, wainscoting. We want to cover the old-fashioned brick. We want to put a new sign on the end of this building that's lit up, backlit at night. Um, it just drives us crazy that the exterior of our building doesn't reflect the hearts of those that are inside. I don't think any of us would say that yellow is our favorite, you know, yellow stucco is our favorite color. So we want to warm the place up and, and make it welcoming. 
phase two here, so phase one is the $250,000 goal. And then phase one, or phase two, is hire a student's director, that's junior high and high school, produce our first worship album, and expand our kids' staff. Phase three is we want to build the 1,000-seat auditorium that goes right out here on this grass and weeded area out there to the side. We want to build that auditorium. And I want to show you a slide that gives you uh, an artist's rendering of this. So we are now in the building on the far left. That building, this building will eventually be replaced. To the right is the new auditorium there with the cross and the fountains that overlooks Mount Diablo. That entire 1,000-seat auditorium is $3.8 million, and then you add the chairs, the lighting, and the sound, it's a total of $5 million. That's where we're going to build that in phase three. Uh, here's another, uh, I think there's another shot. This is another angle looking, isn't that beautiful? All right, yes, that's beautiful. Thank you, Pastor, for showing us that. Okay, all right, let's move on. The next thing that we want to do, let's show this, is staff housing. We own lots up here uh, up, uh, up on the top, and this is one elevation. I don't know if they'll ultimately look like this, but staff housing is real important. Living in the Bay, uh, usually our staff is young as they come in, and as you know, there's a big cost of living, and so ultimately we want to have staff housing up on the hill there that we can help people in their transition to join us. So phase one goal is 250000 If we blow through that, we'll move on to phase two, phase three, and so on. So inside your programs, go ahead and pull out the vision giving card. Here's how we're going to do this. It says here in the vision giving, a one-time gift this month. Here's our situation. We could not have this talk in the summer because many of you would not be here. So we had to do it in the fall, but that pushes us close to the rainy season. So we had to secure a roofer get bids way in advance in order, like they're saying right now, if you want a roofer this winter, they're not even available. So we had to think ahead as leaders and prepare. So we have a roofer scheduled around the first or second week of November. But we have to raise the money for that first roof, and that's this, build, this big building here. We want our kids to remain dry. How many want your kids to remain dry when they go to church? And so we want to do that building first. That building is approximately $53,000 to do that building. So in faith, I had to secure the roofer before the winter without the money to do the roof. (laughs) Help! Okay, so that's why a one-time gift, as large as we can make it, to get, you know, on the $250,000, we got to get that roof done right away. And then as the roofer is able and as the funds come in, we'll move to the other roofs as well. Also, I, I felt like we can't wait any longer for a worship director. So their salary, his salary starts November 1st because we've got to move on. That's what we're doing. It's what we're called to do. We're not messing around. Amen? Because we're brave. Okay. All right. So one-time gift. And then a 12-month pledge. So over the next 12 months, whatever you can give over that 12 months, uh, to move towards that goal. And then uh, you just put your, your name, your spouse's name, your signature if you're married. Don't make up a spouse if you're not married. And then it says, this commitment is to give above and beyond regular tithes and giving. And I understand monthly expenses will be met first. We really subscribe to Financial Peace University and are thinking about how we handle money. So we'll always pay our bills 
first and make sure all that's covered, and then everything goes to all of this designated giving that we're talking about. That's really important to us, to have integrity in all that we do related to that. And so take this card, pray about it. Some of you have already been praying about this for two or three weeks. You've known about it for a while, and you may be ready to respond to this today. Uh, Take this home, pray about it, respond. You can mail it back in. You can bring it next Sunday. However you want to do that uh, would be greatly appreciated. And again, I just want to encourage you, our regular ties and giving, that funds everything that we do. We have some very exciting things that I can't even share yet today that Uh, The Lord is birthing in our church and some expansion, some great stuff that's ahead for us. But I want to wait as a wise leader until some things materialize. So, uh, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and tithing regularly and giving regularly. It means the world and God's doing great things. Now, there's one more thing that I want to say uh, and uh, that I feel like God is saying to us. And it's in John chapter 15, verse 4. He says, and just receive this word because it's for you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. At the time of Jesus, a vine would be cultivated planted, and then left to grow for three years before being allowed to bear fruit. Every time it tried to bring forth a bunch of grapes, it would be cut back. But after the third year, the grapes would be allowed to grow on their own. And by then, the branches would be strong enough to support the weight of the grapes without breaking. After the harvest, the branches were pruned back for a time of nourishment and rest before the fruit-growing season began again. This is the season that we're in. After three years of being pruned and prepared, the branches are strong enough, the home churches are strong enough to support the weight of what God is about to do. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to receive communion, and then we'll receive our giving. But first, I want to encourage you, uh, for those of you who call this your community, your church family, let's go deeper in our prayer life. Let's, let's, Let's go deeper in our worship. Let's love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm telling you, this is a word of the Lord to our nation. We need to be brave. It is brave to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. To follow his character. To follow his beliefs. To follow his values. Let's pray.
worship team, if you'd come out and join me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of the Lord that you've given us as a church family, that we, from this day forward, will be called brave. Our kids will be called brave. The future generations that will worship here on this hill will be called brave. In a nation that is full of fear, you have not given us a spirit of fear. You have commanded us to not be afraid. You've commanded us to possess the land, to expand the kingdom of God, to move forward proactively in all the things that you've called us to do. You've called us to tell our story, to testify, to witness of the goodness of God in our lives to the people that are around us, to be brave. And I can think of nothing more brave than the day that you were crucified on the cross and you faced the tormenting voices, all the people who didn't want change, all the people who didn't believe you were the Messiah, who didn't believe in what you were doing, And yet you were doing the most profound act of love right in their midst. And multitudes didn't even see it. And today as a church family, as we come to the table of communion, we're reminded of the great bravery and great courage of our founder, the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in our hearts and in this place. Fill us to overflowing with all that you have for us in these days that are ahead. We pray your blessing upon the bread that we'll receive in a few moments. It represents your body. You've called us to be a community. You've called us to be authentic in our friendships and our relationships. We thank you for the juice that represents your blood. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone here today that you say, you know what, today I want to do something brave. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to do that today. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come forward. But right where you're sitting, if that's swelling up in your heart, if there's a desire to say, I want to make that decision today, just slip up your hand and say, yeah, I want to do that. Is there anybody that needs to do that this morning? Anyone at all? Just slip it up and say, yeah, that's me. Is there anyone this morning that you say, yeah, I I need to have more bravery. I need to reject fear in all of its forms in my life. Slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I need to be brave. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you so much. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you and we remember in this moment of communion in Jesus' name. Amen.